another episode of The Called Mama, where we talk about all things pertaining to motherhood, family, and faith. My name's Tara Dietrich, and it's my joy to just be with you today to spend this time together, and I just pray that this episode would be an encouragement to your heart. Uh, I don't know what the weather is like outside where you are at, but right now it is literally thundering and lightning and we're getting lots of rain here in Arizona. I think it's like monsoon season. I'm still kind of new to Arizona, so I'm still kind of learning the seasons and the different Uh, weather here, but I have to say I am glad it's not snow. And if you're in snow right now, I hope you enjoy snow because I lived in snow for all of my life. And I am so glad that the temperature at the end of this week is going to be in the 70s, but not to brag and not to get too off topic here. But I am so excited for today's episode because today We are wrapping up our Bible study. We have been going through the book of Philippians, and today we're going to be going through chapter 4. And first and foremost, I want to say if you've missed any of the episodes, don't worry. You can go back at your own time, your own pace, and go through each chapter with us. And those are all recorded in the previous podcasts that have been released. So those are all available to you. I would love to hear from you and know how this Bible study has impacted your life. So please write and let me know either in the comments or send me a quick email at thecalledmama at gmail.com and let me know what has been impactful to you, powerful for you. Um, and also, if there's anything else that you want to study with us, you know, a different book of the Bible that you want to see us go through in the near future, drop that in the comments as well and let me know. And so as we dive in today, I just pray, Holy Spirit, be with us, speak to us. God, I pray today that this wouldn't just be information, but it would be revelation. So God, we open up ourselves to hearing from your spirit through the word of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's dive in. We are um, reading Philippians 4 and I really encourage you at your own time, go ahead and open up Philippians 4 and read through that in its entirety. It's powerful. It's actually one of my favorite chapters, and Philippians 4 is actually what drew me to do this Bible study in Philippians. So I'm really excited to go through it, go through it with you today. Um, and the beginning part of chapter 4, Paul immediately starts addressing the whole community about these two women, um, Iodia and Sinchi. He calls them by name, and he clearly um, is describing the fact that these women are having some type of issue. They are struggling in some way. We don't know the nature of their of their struggle. We do know that it is causing division because what he's calling for is unity, and he's calling for them to be of the same mind. So. He's calling them out, and I don't know about you, but when I think about this, I immediately go, eek, (laughs) to be called out by name in this letter is, you know, something that is 
you know, strong. And I would have to say, I don't know if I would want my name to be called out in this type of manner, but we have to go to the reasons why he is doing this. Clearly, there's a reason why he is doing this or else Paul wouldn't be uncovering these two women in this way. Now, he he does love them and he shows his love for them in this letter. He He says that these are two women who have labored with him, that they're co-workers in the gospel with him. And then he is imploring them, like I said, to be of the same mind. So he's calling for what? He's calling for unity. He, throughout this whole book of Philippians, he emphasizes the important of the importance of the unity of the body of Christ. So something is happening here between these two women that is causing disunity in the body of Christ. How do we know this? Well, first and foremost, he's addressing it in a public way. And so, you know, we know that this disagreement is public. It is known throughout the body. Why? Because why do we know this? Because Paul heard about it all the way from where he is in prison. So this isn't a private disagreement. This is very much a public disagreement. Therefore, therefore, it has to be addressed in a public manner. And Paul is just in such a loving way urging the body of Christ to come around these women and to surround them and to help them and to help them work out their issues. Um, he's not, quote unquote, leaving it to themselves to work it out. Um, now, we don't know if maybe they've tried to work it out themselves and perhaps that didn't, you know, work. You know, sometimes I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, when you're struggling with another person, sometimes we need help. Sometimes we can't get through to that other person on our own. Or sometimes we need a mediator or someone outside of the situation seen from a clearer perspective to help us steer through um, disagreements or problems we might be having with another person. So this is what he's asking the body to do for these two women in this way. He um, wants them to come to a place of peace. Therefore, he's also wanting the body to come to a place of peace. Because like I said, this is a very public thing. Therefore, it has to be addressed in a public way. God's heart is always for reconciliation and it's always for unity and God will expose things not to harm us, but he exposes them for our healing, for our benefit. He works all things for the good of those who love us. So healing doesn't probably need to just come to these two women. It probably also needs to come to the body here because he's he's addressing the body here to help and to come around these women. So I I personally believe when I read this um, and sense when I read this, we, we can't know for sure, but I sense that whatever this disagreement um, is, you know, happening between these two women, it has caused hurt in the body. Um, so I really, you know, believe Paul's heart here is for the body to cover them, to help them. And he's also addressing the whole body so that um, he, he, as their spiritual father, can bring 
order to the, to this um, dispute or whatever it is. So that that's what we see here right in the first part of chapter four. Um, so now we move on and we move on after he's done dealing with this. He goes in to um, one of my favorite few verses of the Bible. And we're going to read uh, Philippians verses four through eight. And I want to read it to us and get it deep deep down into our spirit. So starting in verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, in the last teaching that we did in the last episode, I addressed uh, rejoicing in that. And I talked about rejoicing. And I told you that this was going to come up again in this next chapter. So here we are. Paul is saying it again. He is telling them to rejoice. Not once, but he says it three times over the next four verses. He is calling for them to rejoice. Now, I truly believe that this is a supernatural joy. This is something that is found in the Lord. That is, This isn't something that we can conjure up in and of ourselves. He is calling forth and calling for them to have this joy that comes from the Lord, this joy that can sustain them. Like I said, this, this body was persecuted. This body faced a lot of um, trials and tribulations and issues, but they were one who remained in joy because they grabbed a hold of this joy that Paul is talking about, and he's encouraging them to remain in that joy. He's not asking them. He's he's telling them. He's saying rejoice. He's not suggesting it. This is almost like a command, and he's telling them, command your soul to rejoice. I'm sure Paul himself has had to do this many times. This is actually a very common theme in other books of the Bible that Paul has written. He talks about rejoicing, and I'm sure this is something that he's had to also command his soul to do in the midst of the ups and the downs of his walk with the Lord. He's, he commands his soul to have joy. This also reminds me of David. In the Psalms, in Psalms 42, David commands his soul. And I want to read this for you because it, it's so similar and it, it's a real way that we can see how commanding our soul is, is biblical. And David says in Psalms 42, starting in verse 5, he says, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? He's speaking right to his soul and saying, Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. 
and I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And then he says it again in verse 11. He said, why are you so downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Put your hope in God and I will praise him, my salvation and my God. David knew in that moment that he couldn't trust in his flesh. He couldn't trust in his emotions. He cannot trust in the circumstances that are happening around him that are overwhelming him in that moment. Obviously, we we can tell through that psalm, his soul was feeling downcast. And he, what did he do? He commanded his soul. He said, Put your hope in God. And in the same way, that's what Paul is exhorting the church here to do when it comes to rejoicing. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, always. There's no excuse. We should be rejoicing in God always. And again, I say rejoice. I just had a really powerful women's meeting uh, last night with my local church, and we were discussing powerful prophetic words from the Lord, and we all were sharing. And um, one person shared that uh, for them this year, a practical way of walking out what the Lord has called them to is just to simply say yes. It's to make a choice to do what's right and to do what he's calling her to do every single day. And it reminds me of this right now in this moment. Rejoicing is not a feeling. Okay. Rejoicing is not, yes, there's happiness that can be an emotion, but this is very different than feeling happy. This is joy and joy can sustain us and joy can be a choice that we make to stand in the place of joy. Why can we stand in this place of joy? Because God is our strength. Just like David said, my God is my salvation. He's my rock. You know, we can put our trust in God. Therefore, we can choose and we can make the choice to rejoice. So how do we then walk this out? He continues in verse 6 to say, don't be anxious for anything, but in every situation through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. This is a real key here for us. How do we do this? How do we win the battle in our minds? Well, we do that in the place of prayer, but it's not only in a place of prayer, it's prayer combined with thanksgiving. This is a very key combination for us. Now we can pray, but he is exhorting them to pray in the place of thanksgiving. Okay. So, and this should really come to no surprise that Paul is telling us to pray in this way because he truly is one who is just a champion for rejoicing, a champion for joy. And so it's in this place of active gratitude towards God that our prayer life keeps our hearts postured in rejoicing. It keeps our hearts postured to be hopeful and to put our hope in God. 
all could be dark and lost and depressing and wrong around us. But if we begin to pray and practice thanksgiving, what happens? Our perspectives begin to shift. We begin to come up higher. We begin to lift our sights above the things that are around us. And we see from his perspective. It says in the word that we're seated in heavenly places. Well, we need to come up a level. We need to go and take our seat in heavenly places. And that will help us begin to declare in prayer what we're seeing from a heavenly vantage point. So this combination of praying with thanksgiving is really powerful for us here. And it's in this place when we do this that the peace of God comes and it literally guards our hearts. I love this. I speak this over myself all the time. I speak the shalom of God that guards my heart with all diligence. Peace is not passive. Peace is something that comes and it's like a a guard. Like think of the guards that surround, um, you know, an official or even in England, how they they still have guards for, for the palace and for the king and queen and all. Think of that. Well, if someone tried to sneak by one of those guards, I am telling you, they would be <laughs> abolished. They they would not be able to get through those guards. They are on point. They are focused. They have a mission. And that's what peace, that's what the peace of God does over our hearts. It guards us. And I don't know about you, but I want that. I want the peace of God to be a guard for me. And I don't want to allow anything to sneak by that guard that's been placed on me and around my heart. And so when we come into a place of prayer and thanksgiving, that peace can come and it guards our heart and it also guards our minds. It says, be anxious for nothing. Well, how can we do that? Well, once we lift our gaze up, once we start praying with an attitude of thanksgiving, that guard will come and begin to zero in around our mind, around our thought life, and it will allow us to have peace instead of anxiety. If you have been struggling with anxiety, if you've been struggling with uh, depression or thoughts uh, that really plague you, I want to encourage you right now, pause this, pause this podcast and begin to pray and begin to thank God for who he is. Open up the word of God and just start declaring who he is. I love to open up the Psalms for this. And David was was really good about pouring his heart out to God and thanksgiving. And so open up one of those Psalms and begin to pour out your prayers mixed with thanksgiving. And I'm telling you, your thought life will begin to line up to what the word of God speaks over you and what he speaks over you. And that peace will guard your mind. It will guard your heart. We need to exercise this on a daily basis because the war is real. The battle of the mind is so real. And it is something that the enemy will not relent. Therefore, we cannot relent with our prayers. It says, pray 
always without ceasing. Why is that? Because the prayer connects us to the heart of God and the prayer with thanksgiving allows him to release the peace of God that is ours through Christ Jesus to guard us and to arm us for this season that that we are walking in here on the earth. So I'm all fired up about that. I don't know about you, but that makes me really excited. It makes me feel empowered that I can do something about the the assault that is on my life. I don't have to sit here and just take it. I can do something about it. And he is giving us keys here. He's releasing keys for, for how we overcome and how we can be an overcoming body. Hallelujah. <laughs> so he is also giving us more tools on how do we sustain joy and peace. Okay. How do we do this? You might ask me, Tara, okay, prayer, that's awesome. What are some other tools that I can use on a daily basis when I'm walking uh, around my house or when I'm at my job or if I'm, you know, at the grocery store or wherever I am when those things try to come at me and bombard my mind? Yes, I'm praying, but what are some other things I can do? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul gives us some more um, tools here in verse 8. And I'm going to read that for us. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What we dwell on will dictate how we live our lives. I'm going to say that one more time. What we dwell on, the things that we are putting into our minds and what we are focusing on and dwelling on every minute, every hour, we will begin to live like Okay, if we're if we're dwelling on the fact that we aren't good enough, that will begin to reflect in what we do and how we walk out our lives. But if we begin to dwell on what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, if we focus on those things, we will walk in the same attitude in our lives. So you know, what are we dwelling on? I'm asking that question to myself and I'm proposing that to you today. What are you dwelling on? If you sat down right now, pulled out a pen and a piece of paper and you began to write down the things that you think about on a continual basis, what, what would be on that piece of paper? And would it line up with the list of things that Paul wrote out in verse 8? Would it be true? Would it be noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? Would it line up with those things? And if it doesn't, we need to change our thinking. And this, I'm not saying this because I think this is easy, but this, it truly, truly works, but it does require practice and it requires discipline. For most of us, you know, you know, I, I can admit I'm not 
always on a regular basis thinking about what what is right, what is true, what is pure, what is lovely. You know, I think we all can admit that some of us struggle in our minds and we struggle with focusing on the things that that God is encouraging us and telling us to focus on. But this this is a game changer and we need to practice this in our daily lives. And we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Maybe this means, you know, sitting down and making a list of the things that God shows you what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely. Maybe maybe you need to literally practically make a list and and keep that in your purse or keep it on your phone digitally and when your thoughts begin to veer off, you can just begin to medit pull that list out and meditate on it. Whatever the strategy looks like for you, we need to be better about this. Sisters, we need to be better about not letting the enemy play with us and not letting the enemy win in our minds. And um, I I believe that this is a season that we are going to come up higher in this way and we're going to overcome in this way. So... This There is so much more that I could talk about in this chapter, but this is what I really felt like the Lord highlighted to me to bring to you in this episode today. So as we come to a close here, I just want to leave us with this one last verse. And so in Philippians 4 verse 13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You might be feeling like all of this is impossible. You might be feeling defeated in this moment. You might be thinking, how? How can I do this in and of myself? Well, without Christ, it is impossible. Without him, it's impossible to live in a place of sustainable joy. Without him, it is impossible to have peace guard your mind and your heart. Without him, it is impossible to live a life of an overcomer. But sisters, we have him and he is all that you need. Something that Patricia King says all the time, and I just love it so much. She says, God plus nothing equals everything that we need. And that is so true. With him, we have everything that we need. And and he is ours. He he's our secret weapon, sisters. And and today, um, I just want you to feel empowered. I want you to know that you can do this. I want you to know that you can command your soul and you can live in a place of victory and God is calling you higher and he is empowering you and giving you the ability to do this. And so I I am just, I feel empowered. I feel fired up. I hope you're feeling the same way right now. And so as I close I, and as I pray, just receive 
the empowerment of the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you for every single person that is listening right now, God. I thank you, Father, that you are all that we need, that through Christ we can do anything that you've called us to do, that it is possible. So God, I thank you right now that we are getting the the ability and the courage and the strength to command our souls to put on the helmet of salvation and to allow the the peace of God to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I pray for a special grace and an empowerment to my sisters right now that they would know that they can do it, that they would begin to lift their heads and look for once their help comes from. It comes from you, Jesus. And God, I pray right now just a blessing over them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, I hope you have a blessed week.